Welcome to the Grounded Guidance Podcast, where we explore the power of living aligned and from your intuition each day. I'm your host, Karen Williams. Every day you receive hundreds of intuitive messages guiding and empowering you to live a life in alignment. Are you listening? Through lived experiences, ongoing self-reflection, and enriching stories, I am joined by extraordinary people and thought leaders in their field who have embraced the magic of following their intuition and are sharing their light with the world. Trust that these conversations will meet you right where you are and consider this your nudge from the universe to listen. Join us. Welcome, Christy Sumner, to the Grounded Guidance Podcast. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate you having me tonight. Yes, I'm so excited to chat with you about all things paranormal. (laughs) We're going to have a good time. Yeah, we are. It's going to be great. So I'd love for you to start off and tell us a little bit about you and your background. And then how um, did Soul Sisters uh, Paranormal come to be? I know you've got a lot of a lot of different pieces of this, but specifically (laughs) Soul Sisters Paranormal. Sure, absolutely. So uh, my name is Dr. Christy Sumner, and I am the founder of Soul Sisters Paranormal. Um, and my background before Soul Sisters was was extremely eclectic. Um, my um, my doctoral dissertation was on uh, aviation security and biometrics for airport access control. Um, I've been a professor at uh, University of Central Florida at Metro State College of Denver. Um, so it's a different things in in that regard. Um, and then through a series of life events, um, kind of led me to where I'm at right now. And uh, in 2013, my sisters and I, we formed Soul Sisters Paranormal. Um, Mm -hmm. We've always, we all come from a research-minded background, and we found ourselves watching popular television shows at the time, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and Mm -hmm. such. And we found ourselves asking, why didn't they ask this question, or why didn't they use this technique? So we said, you know, if we ever had the chance to go on a paranormal investigation, we'd jump at that opportunity. And um, we routinely take girls' trips, because we live in different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And in 2013, we were taking a trip to Moundsville, West Virginia, which is where the West Virginia State penitentiary is located, which is reported to be one of the most haunted uh, locations in the country. And so we had a family friend that actually sat on the board of that facility. And he said, while you're here, why don't you take one of those nights and and stay in the penitentiary and see if you can connect with our resident spirits? So we did that. And we left that experience with what we felt was compelling unexplained data, um, mm-hmm. i.e. footsteps in cell blocks when we knew that there was nobody there, doors opening and slamming, disembodied voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that experience, we wanted to formulate what we considered a professional paranormal investigation team. Um, and by that, I don't mean we get compensated because everything that we do is, is self-funded, but we wanted to try to elevate as best we could this subculture of paranormal into a more of a mm-hmm. mainstream conversation. And mm-hmm. so we are driven by history and the historical locations that we get to visit. And then we couple that with any unexplained phenomena that occurs during our investigations over the night. Wow, that's amazing. I really appreciate that you take a um, very evidence-based approach to this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important with the advent of all of these shows on TV, and so many of them prey on um, the fears of people um, Mm -hmm. that that I don't often feel like the shows do what a true paranormal investigation um, is designed to do. So Thank you for that. First of all, I think that's really, <laughs> uh, really important. Um, having done one myself, um, it's really important that you have evidence-based um, techniques, tools, 
standards to go by. So it, you know, you, you have quite a presence and it's important that people understand that, especially skeptics coming to the table. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. We we really do try to take that approach. And, you know, to your point, I think a lot of the shows now and, and moving into YouTube and TikTok as well, um, those instant gratification shows where there are people out there that just go into these locations for what I ca- what I call a cheap thrill or a jump scare, and they want to bring their audience with them. And and to me, that doesn't allow you to have a connection with the history of the location, um, which is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I think a lot of people are trying to get into this to get the likes and subscribes. And that that's not to disparage those people who do that. If if you want to do right. that and that's the approach you want to take, that's fine. Um, but you know, there are us in the community, what we call the paranormal community, who really respect the history. We go into it for the longevity of connecting with that location rather than going in for three or three or four hours and just doing a quick live video and then you're out. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I think to your point, it kind of does a disservice to what we're actually trying to do, which is really have that historical connection as well as um, that connection with the paranormal, the spirits that really want to tell their stories. Yeah, that's, I love that. And I appreciate the historical perspective. The The paranormal tour that we did just last month, there was so much history in the location that we were in. And that's really what fascinated me or what kind of drew me to the location. And then it was this an ongoing conversation about really who who's there and what what happened here and what really needs to be told? What is mm-hmm. What is the story that needs to be told rather than the like you said, the jump scare, which it has its time and its place, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's not for everybody. So um, a little bit more about um, the work that you do. So you do professional paranormal investigations at mm-hmm. a variety of different places, private residents, historical locations, nonprofits mm-hmm. across. Are you in Florida? Um, te- right now I'm in Tennessee. Okay. In ten- is it across wherever you're at in Tennessee, Florida? Um is it across those places? It all is. Right. It, it, it's across the country, really. I mean, we've oh, gone. All, okay. Yeah, we've gone all over the country um, oh, wow. to different locations. Um, mostly, the ones that we travel to are are those what I call larger commercial locations. Those that um, have a, a a very significant historical event or historical presence, um, but then also they tout the fact that they have paranormal as well. And so we've gone to a lot of those locations, such as you know the Velisca Axe Murder House, the Lizzie Borden mm. House, St. Augustine mm-hmm. Lighthouse. I mean, we've we've gone to these locations. Um, what we really want to do there is, is really again tell that historical perspective, um, maybe a little bit differently than what's currently out there and Mm. then really couple that with that paranormal presence and really kind of build our portfolio, if you will, and and hone our techniques. And then we use those when we do residential or business investigations. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm curious about your, um, your whole idea of not charging for this Mm -hmm. service. And is it an ethics thing? Is it crossing an ethics boundary with people that if they charge something that you, or if you charge something that they would in fact expect some sort of. It, um, you know, and I kind of understand where you're going with the question. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me that in my place is paranormal, that kind of thing. Tell me that I can put that I, that that we have ghosts here kind of thing. Well, exactly. And it really gives, in my mind, a different connotation than what you're to what you're doing, right? Um, yes. So, for example, let me just put it this way: 
our YouTube channel is not monetized. I do that for a very specific reason. The reason yeah. is, is I don't want somebody to come back and say, you only put these things out there because you want likes and subscribes. Mm -hmm. No, I don't because I'm not monetized. And therefore I can, you know, to your point, ethically say what we're putting out there is the unexplained. We're not fabricating anything to get views for our YouTube channel because right. it, it, it's, it's really it's for us to put it out there um, as kind of to help people and show people where we've gone and what we've, what we've captured. Um, it's not for monetary purposes. Same thing with residential or businesses. Um, to your point, it's not to go out and, and make money off of people's perceived paranormal experiences. Um, yeah. And I say perceived because in a majority of the locations, we can find things that are environmental that people might not think about. Um, oh. So yeah. there, we don't want to make money off of somebody's belief or um, or their their real paranormal experiences that they're having in their houses. That's just really not what a paranormal investigator does. So I'm curious about the environmental piece. Are you talking about when you can tap into water? Uh, no, I'm talking about like an, an actual environmental factor. So for example. We, we were called in to investigate this business and um, he he said, you know, he just opened this business, this this legitimate storefront that he had. Um, so it was a brick and mortar location and um, he had been in it for about two or three weeks and he had security cameras up. He had, you know, display cases and mirrors and frames and everything up. And um, he called us and he said, oh, my gosh, my, my place is haunted. Um, my night vision video cameras, they go crazy at night. I can't explain this. Can you come in and investigate? And uh, so we said, sure, absolutely. So um, we did a, a four hour investigation in the location and all of our equipment that night, there was nothing that was indicating mm. a presence of paranormal. We didn't feel anything. Um, and, and so we're like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to leave our night vision video cameras in the location and leave and see if we capture anything. So we set some up. And so the next morning I called him and I said, you know, did anything happen last night? He's like, oh my gosh, it was so active. Everything was going off. And I said, okay, well, give me the timestamps of when your cameras went off and I'll cross-reference them with mine, see what we got. And um, so what I found was that the way his storefront was positioned, he was sitting perpendicular to a road that had a high volume of U-turn traffic during the night. So when the headlights would come into his storefront, they would bounce off of these mirrors and essentially blind his night vision video camera and then turn them back on. So oh, wow. if you, if you weren't thinking about that, you could perceive that as something messing and being squirrely with your camera. Um, so he just didn't think about it. And I said, I, I think if you either move your cameras or take the mirrors down, what you perceive as a haunting is going to stop. And it did. And wow. so that that's what we go in and do first. We look for those environmental factors first, um, because a lot of people first, they just want to be believed that something is going on. And that's yeah. what we do in with that belief. But we also go in and say, okay, what other things could be causing this? Is there airline traffic? Is there kids in the neighborhood, dogs, you know, right. the UPS truck going through something mm -hmm. that environmentally could be causing it that you're not thinking about? Um, and so we do a lot of that first, uh, looking at the environment. Um, and then when we can control for those things, what we're left with is the unexplainable. Um, oh, and wow. that's, that's what we'll present to the business owner or the resident owner. So I'm curious about your fascination with the paranormal. When, when did that start? And where... What's your take on it? Like what was, what made you do a deep dive into this whole world? It, you know, we've all, my sisters and I, we've always had a fascination with it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, 
I, I think just by the nature of the fact that we're all going to die and we really have no concept of what's next. Um, you know, I am a Christian. I do believe that there's a heaven. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I really wanted to figure out if these television shows are legitimate, what are they experiencing and why are they experiencing it? And mm -hmm. so really just kind of watching, um, you know, the advent of ghost hunters and ghost adventures and stuff. And, and again, looking at those things, from a research perspective, we wanted to experience that for ourselves to see if we could either replicate what they were, were finding and then take those techniques a little bit further. And mm -hmm. uh, so that that's really kind of how it started. We've always had an innate sense that there is something with us um, mm -hmm. that, you know, energy can't be created or destroyed. Um, and so mm -hmm. I think it, there are some instances where the spirit, once a, an individual passes, the spirit doesn't ascend automatically. There are some mm -hmm. instances where a, a spirit can stay behind. And that's yes. what we're trying to communicate with. And so really, we've always had that fascination. It was just really that um, that first paranormal investigation at the West Virginia State Penitentiary that really propelled us to what we're doing now. Um, does your sister have a research background? Yes. So yeah. the Soul Sisters Paranormal actually started with five females. My twin sister, our younger sister, and two female family friends. And oh, wow. so my, my twin and I, we both have PhDs. Uh, Michelle's a lawyer, Carr is a lawyer, and Kim is a master's holder in, in education. So we wow. all have advanced degrees on the team. And so that, again, really allowed us to use some different techniques that might not have been used at that point um, when yeah. we first started. And that's kind of how we wanted to approach it. Um, not just go in and, and say, you know, throw this chair across the room or I'm not going to believe you're here. Really go in and sit down and try to have a conversation with these spirits that want to talk to us and tell their story. Do you feel like that you have been um, at any point along your fascination with paranormal um, been trying to deep do, do you ever go into any investigation trying to debunk or and I don't mean that like with the experience you told me about the gentleman in his business I mean more from a I really don't believe that's what's happening we're going to dispel any sort of myths around what's happening in a location we go in with what I call a healthy skepticism, um, yeah. you know, especially if we've seen videos or seen TV shows where, you know, somebody has gone in and and found something that say is demonic. So, for example, we investigated Prospect Place Manor um, mm -hmm. in, in Trenway, Ohio, and we just happened to go there about a month or so after a popular filming person had been there uh -huh. and um in in the the on the third floor of that building when we were doing the the walkthrough with the docent there was a there's a dead pigeon up on that third floor and mm. he said you know we're not touching that because we were told it's a demonic pigeon like hmm. that just doesn't compute with me a demonic pigeon does not compute with me right. and and so those things i think what we try to do is say these some of these things have been sensationalized by popular media right. and we want to kind of bring it down a notch and say, hey, that's not what this is about, right? These these are spirits that have a story that want mm -hmm. to communicate with us if we're willing to listen and mm -hmm. not provoke and just have that conversation, go in with a sense of empathy. And mm -hmm. I, I think because of that, we have gotten some very interesting results some very interesting data um, from these locations that we've investigated. But to answer your question, we go in with a healthy skepticism of, mm -hmm. of what others have found and see if we can come up with our own evidence from those locations. Yeah, that's a that's really a, an amazing way to do it. I'm curious, uh, do you I'm going to I'm going to take a left turn here right now, mm -hmm. but I'm curious, yes. do you have 
any sort of psychic abilities or um, mediumship abilities? We don't. I don't profess yeah. to have any of that. Now, yeah. I, I, did, I have a twin, and I think mm-hmm. she and I have a different bond than sure. most siblings or most people on a paranormal investigation team do. Um, so yes. I think we have a different connection. And I also think that the fact that we're an all-female team, mm-hmm. I think that females are more empathetic to situations. And I, I think because we don't go in with bravado, we don't go in with, you know, chest thumping or anything like that. Yeah. We get a different result than an all male team or a, a co-ed team would get. Um, again, just really kind of driven by that innate sense of empathy to really talk to the spirits hmm. that are there and try to have that, that conversation with them. Um, you know, we go in with the idea that these individuals were at one time human, right? They had a human existence and for some reason they're still in this location. And, you know, the very core of human existence is to be recognized. Nobody wants to go through life feeling invisible. And I think that's the same thing with the spirits that we're we're trying to communicate with. And so I think because we go in with that, um, like I said, I think we get a a different result than some teams, but um, as far as having empathic abilities or psychic abilities, no, we don't have anything like that. I appreciate that you say that that the core we we want to be seen. Human beings want to be seen, but it's no different in the spirit world. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a beautiful way to tie it together. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the tools and the equipment that you use. Um, I'm fascinated by this because of the own my own paranormal investigation that we did using tools. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so take us through what what works, what you use, um, what why you might use a different tool at a different location, like a trip meter or a REM pod or something like, how do you set up an investigation and what tools do you use? Might be too much. (laughs) No, no, no. So, um, you know, we do have a variety of pieces of equipment and what's great about some of these locations is what we try to do is we want the spirits to act on these pieces of equipment, but it's even more fascinating if we can get different things to act um, on multiple pieces of equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, So, just to start off, the very first thing that we always have with us are voice recorders. Um, mm. The moment we enter a location, as soon as we cross the threshold, we've got voice recorders going and they're going from the moment we start. I mean, even when we're carrying in luggage and whatever, um, our voice recorders are going and then they don't stop until we leave the location. Um, mm. Because for us, EVPs or disembodied voices are really in my mind, the hardest pieces of evidence to debunk. So for example, if I go into a location and I know I have five females with me and yet I'm capturing a man's voice or I'm capturing a child's voice, that's very hard for me to debunk. Um, You know, a a light anomaly, we can find causes for that if we look hard enough. Um, You know, if we, if we really try to want to come up with some type of an explanation, but voices are very hard to debunk. Um, Mm -hmm. So all we, voice recorders are our number one piece of equipment. Um, We do have K2 meters, which are, uh, they measure electromagnetic frequencies. Um, We've had great luck with these, um, especially in locations where there is no energy or power that is on to that location. Mm Theoretically, they should not go off at any time, but yet we go to these locations and we have them, you know, something is acting, some type of energy source is acting on these, these items. Um, Same thing with the REM pod. Um, So for example, we investigated the Ma Barker house in central Florida. We were the very first team to investigate that location. 
And that's the site of the 1935 shootout between Ma and Fred Barker, two members mm-hmm. of the Barker Carpus gang and the mm-hmm. FBI. So it, it was the longest shootout in FBI history. And it culminated oh, wow. with Ma and Fred being killed in the upstairs bedroom of this house. Now, currently the house has no power. There's there's no power to it. There's no water to it, right? So we knew we had complete control of that environment. Um, but yet when we were using the REM pod upstairs, it was alarming. So energy was acting on it um, that we can't explain. There was no mm. energy source around it. I mean, we were sitting back about six or seven feet from it and yet it's going off on command and it's stopping on command. So uh, wow. that to us, it, again, very hard to explain. Um, so that's a tool that we use to me, the spirit box, um, a lot of people, you know, there's a controversy about whether or not mm-hmm. to use that or whether or not it's a valid piece of, of, of equipment. Um, generally speaking, it's an AM FM radio that very quickly sweeps through frequencies. So when you turn it on and you hit the sweep button, it goes as it's sweeping through frequencies. The idea is that spirits can use that white noise to communicate with us. Interesting. Um, and uh, again, a lot of people don't subscribe to it. We do. Um, going back to the Ma Barker house example, um, we were up in the upstairs bedroom and I asked the question, what happened in this room? And through the spirit box came the phrase, they murdered us. We the ones dead. That entire mm-hmm. phrase came through. And as you listen to it, you can hear the frequency still changing behind that phrase. So wow theoretically you should never hear a phrase because it's it's going to a different radio station every eighth of a second and so to have a complete phrase like that come through is fascinating to me because i can't explain it do um, you normally have just one and on our investigation we had just one maybe two words coming through we didn't have is that pretty typical where you have it is one okay but that that whole phrase is pretty mm-hmm. that's unusual it's extraordinary yeah it absolutely yeah. is and you know i know a lot of people that have told me that they don't subscribe to the spirit box mm-hmm. i show them that clip and i say explain this to me then mm-hmm. how how is this coming through and again you can hear the frequencies changing behind it where is this coming from you know how is that entire phrase coming through and it's germane to the situation right they were murdered in that absolutely room. Yeah. so why is this coming through the radio at the precise moment i'm asking it to say it and uh, so again i can't explain that um so for us the spirit box we we love it as a tool mm-hmm. um we have a device called an edi box uh mm-hmm. which it um it has several functions on it it has a um an ef meter an emf meter like the K2s, it has a geophone on it. So it measures vibration. So if anything touches it or walks around oh. it, it'll, you can see the vibrations. Um, it has a, a thermometer. So you can see the t- difference in, uh, in temperature. Um, and it also has a pressure gauge. So if the pressure changes at any time in the room, it'll go off. So we use that. Um, we use a series of night vision video cameras. Um, mm-hmm. And we really do that because we want, you know, eyes and ears on any room in the in the location um, that we can't physically be in or that we're not physically in. So we use a lot of that um, mainly for documentation purposes. Um, so is our light our lights out in your investigation? You all wear head night vision head lamp. We, we, or? yeah, we have flashlights, um, but oh, flashlights. we also, okay. yeah, we also use body cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have our perspective, um, and we use body cameras for two reasons. One, so we can get our perspective and two, it gives us, um, a timestamp of where everybody is in the location. So for example, if I'm going and watching a video from say a cell block stationary camera that we had set up, 
and I see a light anomaly, I'll go back and look and see where everybody was when that light anomaly mm -hmm. occurred. Uh, so we can have a positive, so I can say, okay, um, you know, Jenny was walking down the adjacent hallway. So that's probably her flashlight. Or mm -hmm. if nobody was in that area, I, I'll start to say, okay, what caused this light? What, what, what was this light anomaly be from if it's not one of us? And um, so we use it really as that, at that, as that timestamp mechanism as well. Um, let's see, we use laser grids. Uh, we set those up um, in conjunction with our night vision video cameras. Really, the idea is that we're trying to catch any um, spirit or apparition that would cross a doorway or hallway or something like that. Um, I'm trying to think what else we use. <laughs> um, that really kind of rounds out our pieces of yeah. equipment. Honestly. So when you, um, okay, I'm, I have a question about the spirit box. When we <laughs> were using it, um, it we, we had differing differing agreement on our, in our group about whether it was actually providing legitimate information. And then we would be talking about something and then something would come through the spirit box and be like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is really, you know, that would confirm mm -hmm. kind of the conversation we were having. The second floor of this, this building was in a really rapid state of disrepair because they had water damage and there was big oh. gaping holes in the floor. And uh, one of the, uh, one of the people I was with was like, we need to get out of here. And I didn't, I didn't feel it at the time, but then on the spirit box, it came up and said, you need to get out. Wow. And I thought, Oh, wow. I mean, the, so, well, wow. some of it didn't make sense. There were parts that it was okay. All right. I'm paying attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that is, that, that does have the tendency to happen. Um, like for example, when uh, going back to the Ma Barker house, um, mm -hmm. if, if you watch that video or you watch some of the clips that we have from that video, um, there's several things in that mm -hmm. sequence. Uh, one of the first things was, you know, what happened in this room and they, and it came through, they murdered us. We, the ones dead. And I said, then I said, can you say, um, can you say the name Blackburn? And cause Blackburn was the alias that Ma and Fred used to rent the house. Oh, and wow. um, through the spirit box, it said, first it said Hebrew and then it said Blackburn. So I'm not sure why it would say Hebrew. I, I don't know what that, that context would have been, but right after that, it said Blackburn. So, Wow. You know, there, there you do have to kind of weed out some things with it. Um, but like I said, for us, it is a tool that we use and we um, we've had some great results with it. Yeah, it, I found it to be um, it, it was fascinating. Some of it didn't make sense. I, I, I appreciate your all female paranormal team because we had a male on our paranormal team. And um, there were parts of the investigation that told us to get out. And in the particular area we were in, it was the nuns' quarters, all female nuns' quarters, and we have been we were told that that was an area that generally the men don't do, they they don't like it when when men in a physical body come into that location. So I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it's always interesting to kind of <laughs> listen with a with a keen eye, right? Mm -hmm. It is. Um, so. Okay, so tell tell us about what are some common common things that you experience on some of these paranormal investigations. Really, the the most common thing that we get, as I said before, are disembodied voices. Um, whether mm -hmm. or not we hear them physically in the moment, or whether or not we pick them up when we go back and listen to our voice recorders. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for for us, when we go back and do what we call our evidence review. 
we listen to every piece of audio that we captured and we watch every piece of video that we captured. So for example, if I've got 10 voice recorders running for 10 hours, I'm listening to a hundred hours of audio. Wow. Um, we, we don't run it through any type of a software. Um, we listen to it as it was recorded. And so that really allows us to pick up on things that we did not hear in the moment, or if it's a stationary voice recorder in a room, um, you know, when we're not there, we hear different things and that happens quite frequently. Um, for example, we were at uh, Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia and mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love Fort Mifflin. Um, mm -hmm. It was a revolutionary war fort um, that was uh, very strategic for George Washington. Um, and, you know, the the little ragtag band of, of revolutionaries that were there really mm -hmm. did a great job of holding off the British Armada so George Washington could get to Philadelphia. Um, so there's a lot of history there. Uh, yeah. It was also used um, as a civil war fort as well. Mm -hmm. And so we had voice recorders in each of the casemates on the fort um, and casemates are subterranean rooms um, that were used to hold munitions so they would stay cool and, and like and, a uh, like a root cellar kind of place yeah like, yeah but yeah just yeah. very cavernous um oh, you know some of these okay. are because uh, they had to hold barrels and barrels of gunpowder wow. so extremely cavernous um and so um we had voice recorders that we left in each one of those and during the night um i mean we captured so many disembodied voices when wow. we knew that we were in other parts of the fort and we knew it couldn't be environmental because again these things are are underground um, and there's nothing penetrating noise wise penetrating these walls. Um, so we captured a lot of things there. So um, disembodied voices are something that we routinely get uh, every now and then we'll get a light anomaly. And um, mm -hmm. twice we've been able to capture an apparition, which has been fun. Wow. That's pretty did, did you see it with your own eyes or was it only back on the recording? Well, one was at Fort Mifflin. So that was on the stationary camera. Um, we actually okay. had a shadow figure walk um, from one side of the casemate to the other. And he actually crossed the laser grid beams as he as he walked wow. through. Um, and then the second one was at Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in mm -hmm. Petros, Tennessee. And um, everybody there, we actually saw the shadow figure with our own eyes in the moment. And we were fortunate enough wow. to get it on camera. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm curious about the disembodied voices because we experienced this on our um, tour as well, but it is really hard to make this out. It seems like you need a trained ear to really understand what you're listening to. And if you're listening back to hundred hours of tape for some of these investigations, do you slow the recording way down to be able to hear it? Do you speed it up? How do you, do you just have a trained ear where you know what you're listening for? You know, it, it really is that, um, you know, because I'll listen to it like when I'm reading or something like that. I'll just lay on the couch with a book and just listen to it while I'm reading. And 99.9% .9 of the time, all you hear is silence or mm -hmm. just really low frequency static, you know, like you a voice recorder in the dark. Right. right. Um, and when for me, when I hear it, it's it's instantaneous. I mean, I, I know that there's a there's an interruption in that silence for me. Um, so I've just been so used to over the years now listening to it that I can pick up pretty quickly. Um, wow. Now, depending. So what we do is 
when I hear it or Jenny or whoever's listening to the audio hears it, we'll clip that section and say, mm. and we'll send it to the group and say, okay, do y'all hear anything? And that's the first thing. If everybody hears anything, that's number one. The next thing is what do we think we hear? Um, okay. Because, you know, I may hear waterfall, Jenny may hear watermelon, um, you know, so we kind of had this back and uh -huh. forth and it's really when we get the, you know, the consensus of the group that we on the video will say, this is what we think it's saying. Um, now somebody else may hear, you know, water chestnut or something. Um, and, and so it really does kind of depend on your perception, but for us, we put in there, we believe it's saying this, and mm. that's what we believe it, it's saying in the moment. So that's important for the people that you're invest, you know, things you're investigating for other people. So you mm -hmm. can provide that evidence back to them mm -hmm. as well, but that it is hard. It is hard to make out what is being said and it, to me, it felt like it would need a trained ear, somebody like you that's done this for a very long time to hear some of the things that we were hearing. Yeah. And well, I mean, some of them, I mean, we've been in locations where you actually hear them audibly um, and it's, mm. it's very easy to make out. So for example, we were in um, um, North Carolina, in Balsam, North Carolina at the mm -hmm. Grand Old Lady Hotel. And this was a hotel that was built in the 1900s, um, you know, a very opulent hotel, three stories, grand staircases throughout, 100 guest rooms. Um, and we had the entire building to ourselves for a whole weekend. Um, mm -hmm. So it was myself, my twin sister, Jenny, and my friend, Miranda Young from Ghost Biker Explorations. So the three of us were the only three on the property for an entire weekend. And so on Saturday night, we decided to sleep because we could, you know, sleep in any room we wanted. Um, <laughs> but we decided to sleep in a suite um, a two bedroom suite up on the third floor, which was adjacent to the most haunted hallway in the building called Henry's mm. Hall. And so the way the suite was structured is there's an internal bedroom that had two queen beds and then the, an exterior room that had one full bed, but that room had the door to the hallway. Oh. Um, yeah. So Jenny and I had to walk through that, that room to get to the double beds and Miranda slept in the, the one full size bed and she was closest to the door. Um, so we had the door shut. I had a night vision video camera on the outside of the door and a night vision video camera on the inside of the door. So we had positive control of the environment mm -hmm. and you hear us talking um, for about 20 minutes. We're talking about when we're going to leave the next day. Um, you know, when we're going to, uh, when we're going to start packing, when we're going to go to breakfast and all that stuff. Um, and then we say good night. And about 10 minutes after we say good night, a voice says, please don't go. And we all heard it. And Miranda said, what was that? And I said, there's a man standing outside a door. And she said, that, that's what I thought. Um, but there's no man there, right? We have positive control. There is no person there. Um, but yet we have an intelligent response. He's responding to what we just said. He's asking us to please don't go. And it was audible. All three of us heard it. And it's it's a great EVP. So with that, you, you get that kind of evidence. Do you then launch into more trying to have a dialogue with these disembodied spirits or do you just leave that like what what prompts you to to take it further with something like that for some well for that one honestly yeah. karen i'm not gonna lie i mean that was one where 
you're sitting there and your hearing gets very acute and you're waiting for the next thing to happen, right? Because you just mm-hmm. know something's going to unlock the door and walk in. <laughs> um, so in that on that particular one, we didn't engage. Um, we just kind of mm-hmm. laid there and then we went to sleep because, I mean, at this point, it's like four in the morning. Um, but if we hear a disembodied voice, if we can physically hear it, um, we'll start asking follow-up questions. Absolutely. Okay. You know, yeah. explain that. Um uh, so, for example, um, I'm sitting here in the historic Scott County Jail, which in, is in Huntsville, Tennessee, and I, I co-own this location with my business partner and, and best friend Miranda from Ghost Biker. And um, so because we're here all the time, you know, at night we'll go up and just do a little impromptu investigation. And um, we were upstairs one night and um, there there was a murder that happened in this, this community in the 1970s. And, um, uh, the, the victim, her name was Rhonda. And I just yelled out, did anybody know Rhonda? And a man's voice said, I knew her, um, mm. right in the foyer. Miranda and I are the only two people here. And a man said, I knew her. And then, so we start asking follow-up questions. How did you know her? Uh, were you related to her? Um, you know, did you go to school with her? So we asked those type of follow-up questions. We did not get any response after that, mm-hmm. but that was a very audible response initially yeah. that encouraged us to have follow-up questions. So if we hear them audibly, we we will engage and try to follow up. So the this is it the Scott County Jail? Was that yeah. in was that a working jail back in the 70s? Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is it it's was. the yeah, it's the historic Scott County Jail in Huntsville, Tennessee. And uh it was um it was constructed in 1904. It was in operation as the county jail until 2008. And oh. uh it held both men and women. And um so then it really sat vacant until 2021 when Miranda and I opened the museum. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's amazing. So I'm curious about when you go to these historical locations, how much time do you spend studying the location before you show up to do a paranormal investigation? So you have an understanding of who might be showing up that night. Um, we really do uh, a copious amount of research before we go. Um, probably, I mean, at least a couple of weeks because one, to your point, we want to know the location. We want to know the history behind the location and, um, any prominent spheres that are said to be there. Um, but then using the events to, to get some different responses. Um, mm-hmm. so for example, we'll go back to Fort Mifflin, um, in, in Fort, at Fort Mifflin, like I said, it was a revolutionary war fort. Um, but they did hang, um, a guy by the name of William Howell, um, during the revolutionary war, they hung him on the fort for treason. And, mm-hmm. um, so we knew that going in, we knew that he was held in solitary confinement, um, in one of the casemates there. So we knew that we were going to try to communicate with William Howell, um, during that investigation. But we also used the research that we, um, that we gained beforehand to ask other questions of other people that served time on the fort or that fought on the fort, really trying to come up with names that we could try to communicate with one-on-one. And then again, using the events itself to try to get different responses. So for example, after the Revolutionary War, during the Civil War, um, it was used as a prison for both Union and Confederate soldiers. And so we were in one of the casemates. And so to try to establish a timeline um, we asked the question, what's the name of your president? Um, and we use that question on every, we use that question on every investigation because it allows us to narrow a time. And so when, I, when we asked the question, what's the name of your president, we got the response of Lincoln. Um, so now we know that somebody in that, that casemate was loyal to Lincoln. 
right? Um, so we know that ergo it's a union, a union soldier um, wow. that that we're speaking to. So um, you know, our research allows us to ask these questions. It allows us to really formulate um, our investigation. It allows us to come up with trigger items. Um, so, for example, like I said, William Howe, we knew he was in solitary confinement. So we took bread, water, cigarettes, because those are probably things that somebody in solitary confinement would want. Um, so that our pre-research oh. allows us to do those things. Interesting. I, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard of trigger items. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excuse my yeah. naivety. <laughs> Just no, not at all. Really, that's really interesting. I think. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that um, that try to get a response from somebody mm -hmm. who's in the in the building or the location. Um, one of the ones that I'm really proud of. Um, we went to again West Virginia State Penitentiary. That was our first investigation, but we've we've been back several times since then. And um, so one of the spirits that's said to inhabit West Virginia State Penitentiary is a guy by the name of Red Snyder. And in life, he was a horrible guy. He was the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood. He killed his family. Um, mm -hmm. You know anybody that he wanted dead in prison ended up dying. Um, but so they had him in solitary confinement and, but he had two vices in life. The first one was tobacco. And the second one was watching days of our lives. So every day they would wheel the television in front of his cell. He'd get to watch days of our lives and they'd take the TV out. So wow. what we did is we actually downloaded an episode of days of our lives onto our laptop and we took it into his cell and I said, you know, um, Red, we know you like to watch Days of Our Lives. We downloaded this episode for you. We're going to let you watch it and we're going to go do something else on the other side of the building. So I hit play. It ran Days of Our Lives for an hour. Um, after that, it, my laptop only had an hour of battery life because um, on purpose because I wanted it to die after the episode. So um, we let him watch the episode. And uh, when we came back about two hours later, um, we walked in and we said, did you watch the episode? And we got a male's voice saying yes. And mm -hmm. then later on during that, that interaction, we had some really cool um, interaction with our K2 meters. And um, I said, uh, okay, we have to go now, Red, but thank you. And then we captured a man's voice saying, no, thank you. And I think we got that voice because we acknowledged what he liked. Um, and we gave that to him in an attempt to get a communication going with him. Um, and I think he respected us enough to know that, um, that that's what we were trying to do. So that's wow. what, that's what a trigger item is. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, uh, I, I appreciate that a lot because it's, and I appreciate the, the idea of asking who the president is, because you can often go in with preconceived notions about things, mm -hmm. preconceived notions about the history or what your your biases towards a specific historical event. So really creating a neutral environment and asking these questions that allow them to respond from their perspective rather than, you know, mm -hmm. who are you and how did, how did this happen? And, you know, asking the questions that you know from a historical perspective, but maybe there's things you don't know, which is right. really exactly. Yeah. And, and if you if you have a location like Fort Mifflin or, or even the jail, right? I mean, like I said, it was from 1904 to 2008. And we have numerous spirits here. Um, well, if, if I get the answer, my president was Carter, then I know what type of type of time mm. frame I'm looking at with you. Um, if my, if my you know, if the, the president was Reagan, again, know what time what time frame I'm talking about with you. And so that that to us is a very um, it's, it's a question we use on every investigation because it allows us to narrow that focus. Oh. And um, and get a, a better timeline as to who we're trying to communicate, who we're communicating with. 
because the idea is that they're those souls are stuck in the timeline at which they passed. Is that the perception or that is that the right. idea? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, um, you know, or that's where they're, you know, that's what they're perceiving as time right now. Yeah. Um, so one of those two things. Yeah. Wow. So the historic uh, Scott County Jail, let's, I'd love to know this. You set it up as a museum, but you do have it open for paranormal tours. Mm -hmm. And you also have a resident, Kitty, named <laughs> yes. Sally. Yes, <laughs> Sally the jail cat. She's yeah, a girl. I saw there earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and Sally lives at the jail. She does. Um, yep. Does she go on investigations with people? And is she, does she, can she tune into kind of what's happening paranormally that maybe you are picking up at the same time on the, um, you know, the technology that you're using? Or, I mean, <laughs> what's it been like? I'm curious because cats are kind of like a portal to the other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let me just set this up. So again, Historic Scott County Jail in Huntsville, Tennessee. Um, this is a museum that my business partner and best friend Miranda Young and I opened in 2021. And so we do have daytime tours. So it's set up as a full museum. It's three stories. So you mm -hmm. can go through during the day and do a history tour. Um, we also have an audio tour that you can listen to as you go through. Um, but then at night we have uh, guided ghost hunts. We also have paranormal investigations. Um, we have flashlight tours and such. And so, I mean, we've had over 150 teams here investigate mm. this location. We're now one of the top five haunted locations in Tennessee. And so about a year and a half ago, um, during the day we were sitting here, we had the door propped open um, and this little cat walked in. And um, so Miranda, my business partner, sat down and talked with her, um, had a conversation and said, you know, if, if you're good, if, if you're going to be a good cat um, and, and be well, you know, do well with our guests and stuff and well with our spirits, we're going to allow you to stay. And um, she's fantastic. So this, this was she, a stray cat. Mm -hmm, yep. She just walked in the door and <laughs> kind of like she owned the place and uh, and absolutely have fallen in love with her. She is the best mm -hmm. little thing. She's become our mascot. She's head of guest relations. Um, she has her own Instagram account. And, uh, and, and so we did, we had that conversation with her and I'm, you know, I know this may sound funny to people, but we had the conversation with her is you've got to be a good cat. And then we had a conversation with our spirits. Listen, Shelly is going to live here. She's going to be here on site day in and day out. You've got to get along with her. Um, don't scare her. She's not going to scare you. And it's been a great relationship really. Wow. Um, now she'll go upstairs to the third floor, which is our maximum security floor. And there'll be times where she's batting the air, like somebody's trying mm -hmm. to play with her. There's been other times where she'll lay down and roll over, um, like somebody's petting her belly. Um, now, there are times where she just refuses to come upstairs and say, nope, I'm not going to go upstairs today. And that is absolutely fine. She doesn't have to go upstairs if she doesn't want to. Um, but we do think that the spirits have a really good relationship with her. Um, and one thing that we did capture, which is kind of interesting, is... Um, each of these cells, I mean, I'm not sure if you can know this door, this door back here. So this yeah. is our visitation room behind me here. This goes out to, there are three different cells behind me. Um, and they're solid, they're not barred doors. They're solid steel doors, kind of like this one. Um, so one of those cells we have set up as our gift shop. And Selly loves to go in and lay on our t-shirts. And a lot of people don't like to buy t-shirts with Selly hair. And <laughs> so during the night, we have that door shut. It's a 250 pound steel door. She's a 12 pound cat. So we had the door shut. So she cannot go in at night and lay on our t-shirts and our merchandise. We have a security camera set up in that room as well. Um, but she wants to go in there. Like when we close it and we're here, she'll cry. She wants to go in. Da, 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 da. So um, about four weeks ago, 
um, on a Thursday morning at about five in the morning, the, the door opens and something pushes Sally in and closes the door. Um, oh, wow. And so we're not, we, we, the way we perceive it is that she wanted in and the spirit was like, okay, I got you girl here. I'm going to put you in and shut the door. Um, because I mean, she, she cried on the security camera. She does cry, but it's not her. I'm scared cry. It's her like, all right, I'm in, I'm, you know, thanks for letting me in type of thing. Um, so that, that was a very wow. interesting piece of equipment or a, a, a piece of evidence that we captured. Um, and again, I, I think it leads to the fact that they have a good relationship. You know, the, mm -hmm. the spirit knew she wanted in, just <laughs> opened it up for her and let her go and then shut it. Uh, Cause there's no way she could open that door. No. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, there's a, maybe a colleague collegiality, right? I mean, animals play such a special role in, in people's life, you know, mm -hmm. throughout, throughout the dawn, since the dawn of time, I just think mm -hmm. it's really special that she's working with those still mm -hmm. that are, that are in spirit. So that's Yep. And then we've had two different teams here. And now if a team want, cause one of us, either Miranda or myself, we stay on site during the night. We're in a, oh. we're in a little room. Um, so in case something happens, uh, you know, we're here for emergency purposes or whatever, but we don't go out and investigate with any of the teams, but there've been several teams that have asked if Sally can go with them. Mm. Um, so we let her go. If she wants to go, she'll go up with them. Um, and twice, um, the teams have gotten something saying here, kitty, kitty, um, oh mm -hmm, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> That Sally is my hero. I mean, she, she is. She's she such is a good just, girl. <laughs> so cool. I think that is maybe a new friend you're starting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think, I think you're right though. I don't think that this would work in every paranormal location mm -hmm. with an animal. Right. I think that setting those clear boundaries is really important. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, Yay, you know, Sally. <laughs> and, you know, for, for us, because, it was a little bit different. I, I think being paranormal investigators and, and then mm -hmm. opening the location, we knew kind of how we needed this to work um, and what paranormal investigators need to, to have a successful investigation and what they like. Um, and, and so I think because we go in and we talk to our spirits, we let them know what's coming up. Every time there's a team here, we go up and sit with them. Okay. And say, here, this is the team name that's coming. Um, these are, this is how many people will be here. This, how many guys, how many girls or whatever. Um, and we have a very candid conversation with them about, this is what they're going to ask you, you know, be responsive. They're not going to hurt you or try to provoke you in any way. Um, and I think because of that, we have a very good rapport with our spirits. And I think they have that rapport with Selly as well. How many resident spirits do you have that you've communicated with at the jail? We know of at least six. Um, oh. and, and there are others, I think, that kind of come and go. Um, mm -hmm. But the core that most that we get a lot of communication out of, as well as paranormal investigators, um, really, you know, I, I, I don't want to say you can count on these spirits to show up every investigation, but typically these are the ones that are showing up on every investigation. Um, they're getting some type of response from these six. Um, you said something a little earlier about how you stay on site during a paranormal investigation, but you're not with them as Correct. they navigate the jail. Mm -hmm. um, has there been any, I, I might be inferring something here, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Has there been anything that has happened that would be a cause for a concern at the, the jail that 
not not the reason you would stay there, but that. No, I guess. Honestly, you're available, right? Yeah. So the reason we stay here is because we actually lease the jail from the town of Huntsville, and that is oh, part wow. of our lease that that we will have a presence here that we don't allow you know investigators to, for lack Straight of a better rain. term, yeah. run amok. Um, <laughs> and so we're we're here, be, and because um, you know we're a very rural community, and if if something if an, if an emergency were to take place, we, we need to be on site to be able to handle that. You know, not so much from a paranormal standpoint, but somebody tripping and falling down three flights of stairs. Right. right. Um, that, that's something that we need to be on site with immediately. So um, we like to say that we're on site, but out of sight. You know, that that's funny. That was my biggest concern in the investigation I did was my feet and making sure that I had light on my feet. <laughs> so five, five flights of stairs. I was worried about falling, you know, and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's a real concern that you maybe don't think about when you don't have light, right? Right, right, and um, it's it's a bigger concern when you're carrying the insurance. So yeah, right. <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> so I would like to ask specifically. I don't, I hadn't thought about this, and I hadn't seen it on some of your investigations, but you might have done it. Have you done any investigation work in Salem, in Salem, Massachusetts? No, no. We've been to Salem as um, tourists, but not as investigators. Yeah. I love that place, but yeah, uh, not, it's yeah, it's, um, you know, our, our, our biggest thing when we do investigations is, mm -hmm. is logistics, honestly, um, sure. because obviously we all have daytime jobs. Um, and, and then I don't fly with any of our equipment. That's just me. And so we drive to every, I mean, if we go out to Iowa, if we go out to Utah, Colorado, we're driving. And um, so it, that's kind of our, our commitment. Um, and so it, it does take a lot of time. And so it's, it's yeah, really logistic. Yep. I haven't been there yet. Um, I'd like to know about your investigation. I mean, you can just give me high level, but uh, the Lizzie Borden house, because I'm sure there's people that will really be interested in that. And then Gettysburg is a personal interest of mine. Um, mm -hmm. I will get there someday. But what was it like there on your investigation? I know two two disparate thing, a battlefield and, and a, a place where a lot of people were murdered. But yeah, no, I mean, Lizzie Borden is one that's fascinated everybody. I mean, if you're a paranormal yes. investigator, that is on your bucket list. Now that right. is in Massachusetts, right? That's in uh, Fall yeah. Rivers, Mass. And and um, for those of you who don't know, this is the site of the 1892 murder of uh, Andrew and Abby Borden. And uh, the, the prime suspect in that murder and those murders was Lizzie Borden. Um, and uh, they were they killed in the house. Lizzie Borden was arrested. Uh, she was put on trial, but she was acquitted of the murders. And for us, first, the history of the building itself or the house itself is just fascinating, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we get to have this very um, tangent and, and um, you know, tactile experience with this house. Yeah. I mean, we're touching the doorknobs that Lizzie Borden touched. So for us, that in and of itself is fascinating. Um, right. When you go into the house, if you've seen it on television um, or TV shows, it's much different than it looks. It's very disconjointed. Um, oh. Like when you go upstairs, you've got to go through two bedrooms to get to the back stairs, to get to a bathroom. Um, you know, the the way the stairs. So if you walk in the main doorway um, and you go to the right, that's the stairs. And it's kind of like a half curve up. Hmm. And right as you get to about the middle of the stairs, you can see the landing and you can see into Abby's room where she, her body was found. Um, wow. and, and it's much smaller than you think. And so you start to wonder, you know, how how could this have happened without, you know, the maid Bridget Sullivan really hearing anything um, or anybody out on the street really hearing anything. And so 
for us, just being in the environment in and of itself was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, um, when we got there, we, there were five of us on this investigation, again, all females. And as soon as we were crossing that threshold, like I said, we had our voice recorders going. So we had four or five of them that we deployed immediately into different rooms. Um, and we're still carrying in luggage and stuff. Cause we actually, were you the right only there. ones there? Mm-hmm. Yep. We're, we're the, the only, only ones there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Only people there. And, um, so we got there, I think about four in the afternoon on a Friday and uh, again, only people there, five of us, voice recorders are being deployed, da 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 da. And um, three of us were upstairs, and Jenny and Kara were sitting in the parlor where Andrew Borden was killed. And they're just talking about the day. And then they start talking about the differences in the Velisca Axe Murder House and the Lizzie Borden House because we had investigated Velisca before. And um, Kara makes the statement, she said, Either way, being axed to death would be a horrible way to die. Mm. And a man's voice said it was. We captured that on the voice recorder. A man's voice came through and said it was. Um, So very intelligent. Uh, We do think that that is Andrew Borden. They did not hear it in the moment. Um, but it's, it, it interjected like it was listening to the conversation. Hmm. So if you go back and listen to our video or watch our video, you can hear Mm it. Um, at another time during the evening, Jenny and Michelle were kind of talking back and forth again, just casual conversation about the day. And Jenny's standing there while Michelle is, is in the parlor area. And a man says, uh, the voice recorder picked up a man saying, I'm standing right here next to you. Um, Mm. she didn't hear it, but again, a a very, um, audible EVP that we captured on that voice recorder. Um, during the night upstairs, we heard children laughing. Mm. Um, we also had various pieces of equipment that were going off upstairs on that third floor. Um, and then we were all upstairs, all five of us were in the room where the maid Bridget Sullivan stayed and the door was shut. And, um, Miranda had a K2 meter and she's putting it down on the floor and she says, here's another K2 that you can play with. And a man's voice out in the foyer said, ignore them. And we all heard it. And Jenny whipped, she was closest to the door. She whipped open the door just to make sure that nobody was there. And of course there wasn't. Um, so those were kind of some of the things that happened during that night. It was, it was a fascinating investigation. Did you stay the night there? We did. Mm-hmm. We did. Wow. Now, do you do an investigation like all night long or are you awake? Do you, do you close your eyes and sleep? Like how does, how does yeah, that? Yeah, we slept. Uh, we slept. Sleep. Okay. Yeah. So we, like I said, we got there about four in the afternoon and we investigated yeah. till, I don't know, three or four in the morning. And by that time you're just spent. You're, you're, like, yeah, everybody good night. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so we all stayed there. Um, and then what was great, what's interesting about the Lizzie Warden house is um, when you stay there and you rent the entire house, the next morning, um, the docents will come in and they cook breakfast and the breakfast they cook is the exact same breakfast that was the last meal for Andrew and Abby oh, Borden. Wow. Um, so it, it was actually fantastic, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, a, a, you know, kind Very of that other little piece of, yeah, yeah kind yeah. of like that other little piece of history. Um, but again, you know, for, for us, just the historical narrative of it, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of Lizzie Borden, you know, they think of the, the nursery rhyme, um, right. but it's, it. A lot of people don't take it further. And for me, what was interesting about that case is, you know, first of all, she was 32 when the murders happened. And a lot of people think she was probably, you know, that she was younger, um, but she was 32 when it happened. And after she was acquitted, she never left Fall River, right? Mm-hmm. She, even though she was ostracized, she stayed in that town. Um, and and just, just the entire 
um, investigation in and of itself was fascinating. Um, you know, again, the fact that she she stayed at, uh, uh, in Fall Rivers until she was 66. Um, and then she left all of her money to the um, the Animal Rescue League of Fall River. Uh, just just to follow that story out to me was was fascinating. And that's that's the type of stuff that we love to do. Yeah. Well, you're bringing light to to, you know, places that I think maybe are a little over sensationalized with mm -hmm. some of these paranormal investigations. So I think it is important to tell the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. And that's what we really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So what about, what about Gettysburg? I love Gettysburg. I, I mean, yes. if, if you have an experience that you do need to go at some point, it, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, and not even for the paranormal, just to stand mm -hmm. there um, and look out over these fields and just think of what happened there in 1863. Right. I mean, 51,000 people lost their lives um, on that battlefield and just to stand there um it, for that very reason is, is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. now we've stayed in the Farnsworth hotel, mm -hmm. um, had some great evidence there, um, captured a, a little child's voice that we, um, that we were able to, to hear on the audio recorder. Mm -hmm. Um, so a little bit of, um, a little bit of movement in the hallway that you can hear on the voice recorder as well. Um, just like I said, just going to some of the different battlefields and stuff, you just feel um, that something is there with you, that you're not really alone. Uh, mm -hmm. Going to the cemeteries, you kind of get that same feeling as well. Wow. I'm curious um, about if you feel anything when you are at any of these sites. Um, this will kind of mm -hmm. take, make a segue into my next question. Um, when when you are in a in a space that you know has a lot of spirits. Do you mm -hmm. feel anything in your body? Something like Gettysburg. Absolutely. Um, when we go to some of these different locations, you know, for me, I started noticing pretty quickly that if something is about to happen, either an EVP or an apparition or something, uh, this is going to sound weird, but my left leg starts mm. to kind of tingle a little bit, kind of like oh, wow. when your foot falls asleep. Mm -hmm. um, that's just something that I, I kind of picked up on. I, I don't really act much on it, but sure. it's kind of like, okay, I, I think we're going to get a response here. or I think we're yeah. going to see something or hear something here. Um, and, but if you're in a place like Gettysburg, everything is like that. It, it's just, you're walking down the streets and you're like, wow, this, you know, the, the, the union army marched through here, the Confederate soldiers marched through here. I mean, this was used as a field hospital. So your, your yeah. entire experience at Gettysburg, I mean, if, 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 you know, you're not there for, to your point, the sensationalism aspect of it, just right. to be there, you, you do, you, you absolutely feel, um, almost immersed in the past. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so that's it's why palpable. I love it, so much. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely in, is. In some of the battlefields I've been to, um, like the battle of little big horn, which is in, Oh, that know, place is awesome. It is. It mm -hmm. is palpable I there. Place. I yes. mean, it is, mm -hmm. you can really, really feel, uh -huh. the emotions at Absolutely. some of these places. Yeah. Which is, um, which Alamo, is interesting. The same way, you know, oh, if you go, yeah, if you go into there. the Alamo, um, yes. you know, you just kind of stand there and just kind of just take it in. And, um, you know, it's, sometimes it's a shame, the tourist mm -hmm. aspect of it, you know, you kind of, right. you know, go into this little mindset of, man, why is this tourist place here? But if you can kind of get away from that and right. kind of just put yourself back in that historical time period, it, it really does. You, you feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, that's that's really the beauty of it. I think a lot of people are looking for an experience. They're looking for something either to be scared or, um, you know, spooked or when really if you just stop and just listen, listen and tune mm-hmm. in what's happening in your body. How, how are you feeling in the moment? And really that historical piece is what's so fascinating for me mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious how you ensure your safety in some of these places where there are malevolent, ma- yeah, malevolent entities or negative entities that are um, tricky. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Karen, I'll tell you, uh, we've gone to so many different locations, um, yeah. you know, over three dozen of the most reportedly haunted locations in the country. And we've never felt anything like that. Um, we've never mm. felt anything malicious, evil, negative. Um, now, I will say that there are locations where you feel something a little bit darker. And by darker, yeah. I just mean that it doesn't want you in its space. And I can respect right. that, right? Um, right? You know, you go into places like jails or prisons you're not dealing with the the best of people in life, right? The, right. These aren't environments where there were great people. Um, and so you feel that, right? It's kind of permeated into the walls. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we do say a prayer of protection when we go in. We do say when we come out. And what we do is we go in to the location and we say, this is, you know, for example, I say, I'm, my name is Christy. Uh, you are, we're here to tell your story. You're not allowed to hurt me in any way. You're not allowed to touch me in any way unless I give you permission to do so. And we're here just to sit and have a conversation with you. You're not allowed to come home with us. Um, And we're here to respect you. We're not going to try to provoke you. We're not going to try to get you to cross over in any way. We recognize that this is your space. If you want to talk to us, these are the methods that you can use to do so. If not, we understand that as well. Um, And so that's really how we handle that location. I think because we go in with that level of respect, Uh, we kind of get that respect in return. Now, for example, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary, there is um, an entity that is in the auditorium that is supposed to be darker. And how we handled that was I walked in, I said, I understand that this is your space. We're not going to interfere with you tonight. I've got a voice recorder here. If you want to communicate with us, you can speak into this voice recorder. If not, I completely understand. We're going to leave this to your space tonight and we're not going to come into your room. And that's mm-hmm. how we respect that. I mean, it was it's a huge campus. So there's so mm-hmm. many other places that we can investigate that night. We don't have to go in and barge in to to try to get this thing to talk to us if it doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, and so, like I said, for us, it, it's really trying to dispel that sensationalism myth yeah. that everything is demonic um, because it's not, right. it's not like that at all. Right. No, I, I am in full agreement with you and having done one recently myself, it is really important that you have a good practice around, um, you know, what, what is your, your protection, the, the grounding, you're grounded, your energy is grounded that you mm-hmm. don't go in there and in an um, what's the word I'm looking for. I don't know that, that you're not trying to stir up things that don't need to, to be there. I, I had no problems after that investigation mm-hmm. where yeah. there has been reports of um, darker energy. I, I've had no problems since then. So, well, you know, for some reason, um, dark sells right now. Uh, and, and that's why, yeah, that's why these YouTubers and these TikTokers. Again, if that's how you want to do your investigation, go for it. But, you know, it's not how we're going to do our investigation and it's not how we're going to allow people to do the investigations here. Uh, We've had a lot of 
you know, quote unquote, famous YouTubers and TikTokers that we know their reputation. And um, we have, as soon as you sign up for paranormal investigation, you acknowledge that you are not going to say that anything here is demonic or negative, or we will sue you um, for mm -hmm. libel and slander. Mm -hmm. I mean, we put the kibosh on it immediately because it's not here. It's, it's not here and you're not going to use this location and our spirits who we are very protective of. You're not going to use those for a platform to get likes and subscribes on a, a media, a social media channel. And yeah. um, so I think, you know, again, not to disparage any other location, not to disparage any team or, or um, you know, YouTuber or TikToker that wants to do that. It's just not how we do it. Yeah, I think I I really value that so much because there's so much there's so much darkness in the mm -hmm. world as it is. And, um, you know, when you prey on people's fears about things that they don't often understand and the paranormal mm -hmm. is something that a lot of people don't understand. Exactly. It, it can re you can really take people down the wrong path. So I appreciate that you're taking that responsibility around. Uh, what people can't do in the mm -hmm. Scott County jail. That's really important. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you have a really entertaining YouTube channel. I kind <laughs> of got lost in it. It it's, uh, takes kind of a documentary kind of um, feel to some of the things. I love the historical aspect. I think that's why I was so drawn to who you are and the work that you do, because that that's what fascinates me as well. Um. So you produced a little mini documentary called Landmarks, Legends, and Lore, and it is so fascinating. Oh, so what you. was, was this a special interest project or is it something else? Do you have something more coming? I'm curious about that. Yeah, well, we do have more coming. I have several in the editing board right now. Um, you know, I, I really, there's a lot of places that we would love to go to and investigate all of these different places. Um, mm -hmm. But there are some that we just can't get to. Uh, and, and really what I wanted to do was highlight some of these locations that have a haunting reputation um, that, you know, maybe can't be investigated or we can't get there, but that people are fascinated by. So for example, one of the ones that we do is haunting bridges and mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we we're from central Florida. So one of the bridges there is Oviedo and the, the claims are the Oviedo lights. And that really what yeah. kind of, that's one of the ones that kind of got me started to think about this because you know, these are hometown little legends and lore that not many people know about. Um, and we wanted, we wanted to take the audience there to these locations. So, you know, we talk about um, the Oviedo lights and why they're significant there. And we talk about Saks Bridge and Gettysburg and the historical reports and the, the haunting reports there as well. Um, really just to kind of highlight these different locations or these different stories that people overall might not know about, um, you know, haunting aviation. Uh, aviation mm. to me is fascinating. So we did haunting aviation. So we talked about. Oh, I haven't watched that one. Yeah. Yeah, so we talked about <laughs> Amelia Earhart and Patsy Cline and um, uh, the Apollo 1 um, uh, when mm -hmm. that exploded and yes. you know, Flight 401 and uh, Flight 191. We talked about those. and um, Was it, the, Were those over the Bermuda Triangle? Flight no, um, um, Flight 191 um, was taking off from Chicago O'Hare in... Um, 1979 and uh, there was a mechanical malfunction so right at takeoff it uh it just went up about 30 well about 
30 or 40 feet turned and crashed and killed everybody on board. Um, oh, wow. So the, the haunting reports of that, I mean, there, there's several reports of that, um, you know, after that um, uh, apparitions were seen um, mm. in the boarding areas, they were seen in baggage claim. Um, the spirit of, of a man is said to be making a phone call at one of the boarding gates, um, oh. just different things like that. Um, and then uh, flight Eastern flight uh, 401, this happened over the Everglades in the uh, 1972 and um it uh it was pilot error is really what it was and hmm. um so there was 101 people killed on that flight and hmm. so some of the haunting reports that came out of that were at that point um the the uh, the parts were recycled into other planes and oh, those wow. those other planes started seeing the spirit of the captain and the co-captain that were killed on the flight um so that's a fascinating story. So just to be able to tell these stories that mm -hmm. that are fascinating to me and, and you know, bringing my audience or the audience with us on these journeys, that's really what Landmarks, Legends and Lore was about, to tell mm -hmm. some different, um, you know, hometown or backyard legends, if you will, that people overall might not know about. Wow, that, that's great. Do you have any <clears throat> things in the works like a TV show? upcoming that might be that you'd want to even share about right now yeah not so much tv show um you know i will say we we've been, we have been under production with a couple of um production companies or under contract with a couple of production companies but you know obviously that doesn't work out for a majority of the people and that's fine um that's yeah. definitely not why we're here um but uh we do i do have two more landmarks legends and lords in the works um, okay cool right now we're just you know with the the jail um and another project that we're working on with the historic village of rugby it just takes a lot of time and I'm, um yeah. that's 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 kind they're of the fun. problem they're, they're they're really fun to get lost in i i hadn't oh, watched you. the airplane one um but the bridges one i got lost in and it was mm -hmm. uh yeah, it's yeah. really fascinating. It's it's really interesting stuff. So yeah, I love That's the aviation work. one. Thank you. Um, yeah. The aviation one to me was a lot of fun. Um, we've got uh, haunting cemeteries as well. Oh, yeah. um, so some different legends from some different cemeteries around the country, which were fascinating to me. Um, and then, like I said, we've got I've got a couple of those in the works, and then we've got two investigations that we have done last year uh, or earlier this year that um, that I'm trying to get done and, 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 um, out there. Wow. That's, that's really exciting. Um, so of all of the paranormal investigations that you've done, what's the most compelling evidence of any location that you have experienced that you said, wow, without a shadow of a doubt, there is something happening beyond what everything <laughs> that I can disprove. <laughs> <laughs> well, besides what we capture here on a daily basis, yes. uh, the Scott County Jail. Um, you know, I, I would say the old Gilcrest County Jail in Trenton, mm. Florida, which is about an hour's west of Gainesville, Florida. Um, this little jail was built in 1928. It was in operation until 1968. And then it really set vacant after that. It, you know, they, they built a whole new county jail and this building was just forgotten. And um, so uh, we've investigated there several times. The first time I investigated there was with Miranda from Ghost Biker Exploration. She and I had collaborated on this investigation and it was just the two of us. Mm. And um, so when we first got there, the the woman who owned it, um, it, it's not in the best location. And so she said, uh, do both of you carry? 
and we're like, yeah, you know, we, we have handguns. We both carry mm-hmm. we're licensed to carry. Yep. And she said, I highly recommend that you keep your guns with you on at all times during this investigation. <laughs> that's um, an interesting way to start. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that's the type of area that we're in. Right. Wow. Um, so we start again, just the two of us in this building. And um, we started the investigation and we'd set up all types of different uh, pieces of equipment that night. And, um, first hour or so we weren't feeling anything again nothing was alarming so miranda says i wonder if they think we're law enforcement because we have our guns on us and um so i said well let's try taking them off so miranda put her gun down on a bunk in one of the cells that we were standing in and i i was taking uh, mine off uh no miranda took i took i'm sorry I took mine off first and then Miranda take hers off. And as she's doing it, she says, I'm going to put it down nice and slowly. And a man behind us says, good. And we both heard it. It was captured on audio. (laughs) And then honestly, Karen, after that, the night was on. Um, Everything that we had was absolutely confirming other things that we were getting. Um, REM pods were going off, disembodied voices. We were both touched. We saw shadow figures. We heard footsteps. We captured them on audio. Um, Miranda has an SLS camera and we are capturing um, some interesting um, disembodied figures on the SLS camera. And wow. It, so for me, that was, <laughs> if I could call an investigation a perfect investigation, it was that investigation. Because like I said, everything was validating wow. every other thing. And um it was, it was fascinating. Just a fascinating investigation. So, I mean, that's a lot happening in one night. Um, <laughs> it was. Do you, I'm, I'm curious and we'll kind of round out the conversation here. Do, do you ever, is there anything that really spooks you or where you go, okay, I'm done. Or I, we need to wrap this up <laughs> where you just are, you, it's kind of overwhelming for everything, everything that's gone on in the night where you just are like, I'm done. You know, honestly, we've, we've never really felt that. Um, now, there, don't get me wrong. There'll be times where you're startled or you have that moment of trepidation for sure. Um, yeah. Like you can't see a shadow figure or hear a door slam or something like that. But really to us, it's more fascinating than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, there, there'll be times where we'll say, okay, we, we need to step out of this space. I don't mm. think whatever's in here wants us here. So we're going to step out of this space. Um, but, you know, I can honestly say we've never run out of a location screaming. We've never yeah. vowed to never go back to a location. Um, you, you know, for us, everything that we capture or see or feel or sense uh, is, is just, you know, building that that research that we're we're trying to conduct. That's that's wonderful. And that's fascinating. Are you writing a book by chance? I M. Oh, <laughs> I that's am. great. It, it is, it is in, you know, loose notebook yeah, form yeah. everywhere. Um, it, it's, it's like so many things. You have all of these projects that you've got on the, on the, yeah. you know, the, the table here trying to, to get them all created and, and published and edited and all this other sure. stuff. And it just takes time. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the bones are there. I just need yeah. to, to flesh it out and get it done. You have a lot of compelling stories and evidence and a very grounded perspective. I really appreciate that. It's well, uh, it's refreshing to hear um, that it the non-sensationalized piece of this. And that's really what I'm drawn to with your work. So thank you for that. Well, thank so you. how can people get in touch with you if they're in your neck of the woods? And how can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, the website is www.soulsistersparanormal.com. Uh, we're also very active on Facebook under Soul Sisters Paranormal. And then um, on YouTube under Soul Sisters Paranormal. Uh, if you're interested in the historic Scott County Jail, 
It's www.historicscottcojail.com. Again, very active on Facebook under Historic Scott County Jail. And if you're interested in Selly, she does have an Instagram account. It's (laughs) Selly the Jail Cat. Um, Or you can just stop by the Historic Scott County Jail here in Huntsville, Tennessee and and meet her in person. (laughs) That's great. I'll link all of that in the the show notes when the the episode goes live. I've got I've got to follow Sally. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> yes, she's she is an awesome girl. So how close, um, just real quick, how close to, what's the nearest big airport to Huntsville, Tennessee? Knoxville. So Knoxville is okay. about 45 minutes to an hour away, Knoxville. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've learned so much and you're a wealth of knowledge. So thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on the Grounded Guidance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Your feedback helps us reach more curious minds like yours. Until next time, stay grounded, stay guided, and keep stretching your edges to think differently. Take care, my friends.